Hello, and here we are. Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. Before I get into this week's topic and share with you some amazing information from our outstanding guest, I want to invite you to a special offer that I have, which is a three-page document of tips to help you overcome fear and break through to success. It's completely free. You would go to bit.ly.com backslash fear to fire. That's bit.ly, B-I-T-L-Y dot com backslash fear to fire. Just put in your name and email and I will send it straight out to you, okay? So what the Fear to Fire podcast is about, it's about when bringing on guests, some ultra famous, ultra successful, and some that are just like you and I and everybody else that have gone through the same challenges, the same experiences. These guests open up about their fears and their limitations that have held them back. And they offer their story, their journey, and strategies that you can use to help you move from fear to fire. I am your host, Heather Hanson O'Neill, and I am super excited to share with you today's guest, Denise Lemereau was the founder of Finding Feathers Wellness Center in Fairfield, Connecticut. She's a certified crystal dream healer, IYS therapist, Reiki master, channel and trauma healer. In addition to her energy certifications, she studies the brain and the neurological system and the effects of childhood trauma and addiction, anxiety, autoimmune, and the physical body. She teaches transformational workshops and runs powerful healing meditations. Her successful one-on-one healing business has been making extraordinary strides in the healing of addiction, anxiety, physical ailments, and PTSD. I am super excited to bring on Denise. Hello, Denise. How are you today? Hi, how are you? Awesome. And I do it every time. So I just want to confirm, did I pronounce your last name correctly? You did it gorgeous. Thank you so much. Awesome. Okay, fantastic. Denise from Healings with Denise. Um, We're going to get into a lot of different things with you. But how about we just go back for a moment and you tell me a little bit about your backstory, about how you got to where you are today. Sure. I think that's great. So I am a child of an alcoholic and actually a child of two alcoholics, which at the time when I was younger, I didn't understand how important that was when I wasn't a healer. But um, I went through my life and I owned a restaurant actually in Fairfield. I bought a restaurant when I was 28 years old and I owned this restaurant for 26 years. I was very, very successful. I was a young mom. I divorced when my children were little. I was raising my kids by myself, but I was doing really well. And on the outside, everything looked fantastic. You know, I had my own house, I had a Mercedes, I had an Explorer, on and on and on. But inside, I suffered from severe anxiety, panic attacks, I never felt good enough. I was always a nervous wreck and I was always afraid something awful was gonna happen. And I didn't really understand why. Um, I started to drink a lot of Chardonnay. I started to drink too much Chardonnay. But what happened was Chardonnay, for the time being, became my coping skill. So it would take my anxiety down to a level of normalcy. Because back then, we're going back like 18, 20 years, you know, we didn't have Xanax, we didn't have Zoloft, and you didn't talk about this kind of stuff. And people really basically thought I was crazy. So I, at the time, you also couldn't find healers like me. 
but you could find teachers. And so I would study with anybody that would take me. And that's why I've gotten so many Eastern medicine modalities. I studied Reiki and all kinds of things. And in that, studying all those things, I ended up getting into some very, very advanced workshops. So I ended up getting into John Holland's advanced mediumship classes, James Ann Prague, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I never did any of this Eastern education with any intentions of being a healer. I just wanted to feel better. Mm-hmm. And I was getting a little better, but not great. And then what happened was behind my restaurant was my liquor room, my office, and my food storage. And one day it got struck by lightning and it burned to the ground. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's a sign <laughs> from the universe, right? <laughs> Definitely. I, I had no money to rebuild because it was just this ugly old building that you wouldn't have had insured. I mean, I think I had it insured for like $2,000. And I rebuilt this building that turned out to be this incredibly gorgeous thing. It was supposed to be my liquor room and it became a wellness center. And I started hosting healers from all over the world. I mean, it was the epitome of you build it and they will come because I never planned on it being a wellness center. At one point I had seven healers there one night and 55 people. And I still didn't even own a couch yet. (laughs) But it was, it was that way. So then again, more education into uh, Eastern medicine, more education into healing work and, and really great, solid discipline. But I'm still drinking. Mm. I'm still suffering from anxiety. And so I'm sort of this catch 22 because I'm running, I'm, I'm attending workshops that are spiritual in my restaurant, uh, in my wellness center all day. And then at five o'clock on a Saturday, I'm changing my clothes and I'm going over and drinking Chardonnay and eating cheeseburgers and running my restaurant. Um, and then I went off to India and I thought that was going to help. And I, you know, was in an ashram for a few weeks, praying, mantra, the whole bit. And I actually left early just to go to my hotel and drink. So I wasn't staying sober and I wasn't getting better from my anxiety. Even through all this spiritual work, and at the time I was in uh, an AA program and a 12-step program, which I still am. But what really worked for me, Heather, was one day I put on a, a podcast that was Dr. Gabor Mate, who is the number one addiction trauma doctor in the world. He actually just got knighthood in Canada for his work. And it was a TED Talks, and I listened, and I... It all made sense. Oh my God, childhood trauma. It all made sense. And I was able to begin to study that work. And when I was able to understand that the reason why, if something happens to me anxiety-wise or abandonment-wise or something like that, on a scale of one to 10, I go to a 20 is because I already live at 10. Because of my childhood, being a child of alcoholics, you never knew what was going to happen. So you never felt safe. And that gets inbred very, very, very early into the unconscious brain and the neurological system, right? So when I go to drink or let's say go to use, I'm not, I don't happen to be a drug addict, but let's use that as an example or go to use a drug. I wasn't doing it and most of us aren't to get wasted. I was just doing it to get normal because Mm -hmm. I didn't live at normal and never had since a child. So one of the things I like to describe it at, and I think this is a great way to understand it, is 
if you're in the forest and a bear is coming at you, right, you're going to say, holy yucks, there's a bear. And your brain is going to send energy to your heart and your heart's going to start to pump and it's going to send all kinds of energy to those adrenal glands. Your cortisol levels are going to rise and you're going to be able to run. And even if you fell and broke your ankle, you're still going to be able to get up and run, right? The way a mother can lift a car off a child. Right, right. It's just intrinsic. Yes. Right. That's great. That's great if you're in the forest with a bear. But what if you're a kid and the bear comes home every day? Mm-hmm. What if you're a kid and you don't know if the bear is going to come home? doesn't matter whether it's alcohol, physical abuse, sexual abuse, whatever it is. You never know what's going to happen. So you're going to activate in survival mode every minute of the day, which means your neurological system is going to go into override. Right. And some point that has to fall apart at some point there's two books out that are great the body says no or the body keeps score both of them are great books and that's what happens because it's kind of like having your car in the driveway having it in neutral and flooring it eventually it just doesn't work and it's interesting there are two things that stand out to me here one is that um that reaction occurs whether the bear is there or not no matter how far you get physically from the bear it's 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 a part of you now it's a natural reaction and you may not it's not something you consciously think about your body it just does it right right well that's a perfect way to describe it because it's not something you consciously think about because of two reasons one the body cannot tell the difference between the experience and the thought of the experience yes so i like to explain this this way The old me, I need a Xanax an hour before I get on the plane because the cabin door is already closing when I'm packing, right? Mm -hmm. I'm already in that anxiety. And because the body can't tell the difference. And the other thing to remember is you react from the unconscious brain 95% of our day. So you don't think I've got to pick up a fork and put it to my mouth and eat. You just do it. Right. I mean, if we had to think about everything that we actually did all the time, it would be ridiculous. The body is actually saving us by doing that. And little do we know that it's harming us by doing the same thing that it does to save us. And we just have to figure out which is which and take some of the control back. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So here you get we let's use women as let's use me as an example or women as an example or however I get into uh, older age. And let's say let's use romantic relationships as an example or financial fear. One of those things, let's say romantic relationships, somebody triggers something in me that makes me feel abandoned. Right now, on a scale of one to ten, I'm going to go to a 20. Somebody else might not even notice it. But it's because it's not really abandoning the adult Denise. It's the unconscious Denise that was always abandoned as a child. Right. It's activated. And you know, that I ha- goes to a 20. Oh, I totally understand that. Now, I'm curious because you had spent so so much time around these healers and, and Eastern medicine. Do you think that you didn't recognize it as quickly because Eastern medicine is so amazing at keeping you present in the moment? Um, and what you needed to acknowledge first was going backwards so that you can become present. Do you think think that had something to do with it? Well, I think two things. I think number one, the trauma research wasn't, wasn't really out. Okay. We didn't have brain scans the way we do today. We didn't have the research on trauma. There's a study called the ACE study, adverse childhood effects. And that didn't come out until 1998. That didn't even begin. Um, we just didn't have the research or the knowledge. 
And mm -hmm. so that's number one. Number two, I think for me, uh, having a wellness center, which was the best experience, and I will never change any of it, not a day. But I was surrounded by a tremendous amount of gurus. And, you know, we have to remember that gurus are also human beings and human beings have egos and et cetera. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so in this guru disciple relationship, you're always feeling less than right. Ah, yes. And when you get your next initiation, you'll be. And when you get your next initiation, when you get past this next test, you'll be. So I was kind of back in my low self-esteem again of not being good enough and being that it was my center. It was kind of a double ad because it was your emails weren't good enough or you didn't book us enough and, and that kind of stuff. So I think I didn't see it for that reason. But I will say I think the number one reason was I don't think the research was at, about trauma. I think that that's really been predominant in the last few years. And I'm, and I'm so happy to be on board with that. Brain spotting is out these days. I do brain spotting. It's also an amazing form. E EMDR, hypnotherapy. But yeah, I, I think all of this is, is amazing that it's come to light now because, you know, all of the things that we kind of hid before, like I'm, I'm highly intuitive, you know, I'm empath and, and I had to hide it <laughs> for so long because it wasn't cool. It was so fluffy and outrageous. But now that there's science <laughs> to back it up, I'm like, okay, I'm oh, all right absolutely. now. Absolutely. And there is, there's total science. I mean, it's, it's all in the energetic field and we're, we're so into quantum physics these days. So we're able to see it. And I think the couple of things to remember along this line is that if we're talking about addiction, just as something, first of all, when I talk about addiction, I'm not just talking about alcohol or drugs and talking about control or shopping or power or whatever it is you choose. But addiction isn't the problem. Addiction is just the symptom, right? It's, it's why it's not why the addiction It's why the pain. And I think a, a great thing that I think is really important for people to realize is I don't want people to look at trauma like it had to be something awful. It doesn't. Trauma isn't what happened. It's how did it make us feel? And so to use another story that I think is a perfect example of that, again, from Dr. Gabor Mate, Mate tells a story about being a two-month-old baby, a uh, Jewish baby in Hungary, Budapest, right before Hitler invades. And his mother calls the pediatrician and says, can you come and see Gabor? He won't stop crying. And the pediatrician says, I will, but I just have to tell you, all my Jewish babies are crying. Well, what do Jewish babies know about Hitler? What do they know about genocide? Nothing. But they pick up the energy of my mother. And if my mother's not safe, I'm not safe. And keeping in mind that the brain of a child uh, from womb to five only has an unconscious brain, it's going to absorb everything as true. So if my mother's not safe, I'm not safe. And if my mother's not happy, we're going to absorb I'm not good enough. And if I'm going to absorb I'm not good enough, I'm going to absorb I'm not lovable. Right? And mm -hmm. boom, there you go. And it doesn't have to be that somebody beat me or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. just enough of that that if I get into a relationship later in life and somebody's going through some anxiety and I'm feeling not loved, I'm going to feel it 10 times worse, right? right. 
And that, you know what, that makes so much sense. And I think that uh, that's something that a lot of people can probably really relate to. Uh, I'm going to come back and ask you more about how you became a healer, how you got let go of your addiction and all of that. But before I do, I, I want to ask you, you know, how... If this is the case, and if somebody is experience, experiencing that that trauma uh, of something that had nothing to do with them, that energy from the past, good, bad, whatever, how do they? Is is there, is there a way that they can release it? And is and can you share a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely. Well, that's the best part. That's what we love. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. That's where the gorgeousness is. So you're going to come to me or to anybody, to, to anybody that does trauma work. And you're going to come because you don't feel well, right? Either you suffer from anxiety or you suffer from autoimmune or you suffer from Lyme or you are in addiction, alcohol and drugs or anything along that line. Some people would say that cancer is activated by trauma. So uh, you're going to come for a healing. You're not going to realize that it's trauma, but you're going to sit down in front of a therapist and you're going to, and the therapist is going to ask a few questions and it's not going to take very long for any of us to figure out that you've got trauma. It's mm-hmm. not going to take us long at all, especially if you're a child of alcoholic or adoption, um, adoption, you could be adopted and raised by the most beautiful mother in the world, but there's still going to be a little trauma in there because you lost the heartbeat that you were with for nine months. Mm-hmm. It just disappeared. So anyway, what happens is all this trauma sits in the unconscious brain. So all we have to do is override the conscious brain, and that's what we do, and we're able to take you back. So we kind of take you into like a little bit of a meditative state, if you will, or a peaceful state, I like to call it, where you feel a little calm and relaxed. And then let's say you've got a bad back. Let's use that as an example. Then we'll bring some gold light or some light energy light down to the lower part of the back, and we'll exhale, and we'll have the body take us to what the trauma was and the unconscious brain will remember it. Mm. And you bring right, you're right back to when you were three years old and you fell off a horse or you were four years old and this happened, your grandfather came beating you, whatever it is. I mean, I'm using gentle things. There's a lot mm-hmm. that I see in, in my experience here. Mm-hmm. And the body will take us right away. As soon as we're there, let's use something extreme. Let's use something like sexual abuse because let's just put it out there, right? Mm-hmm. So we get there, we see that, we don't have to stay there for more than a couple seconds, but enough to bring the adult person to that little girl, to tell the little girl she did nothing wrong, to have the adult person be able to see with the little girl that she didn't do anything wrong. And in that didn't do anything wrong, we're able to release shame, blame, all kinds of things that we've been hiding emotions of not good enough. And they're just set free. And we release them right from the cellular memory. And you'll feel it. And then just as we pull them out of the unconscious and the cellular memory, we fill them up with positive light, positive energy, positive vibration, whatever you want to call it, works for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Einstein says no conflicts resolved at the same vibration. So we use a different vibration. And we fill it back up. And it truly makes instantly new synaptic connections in the brain and you don't have those same triggers anymore it does so the triggers are gone like so if they end up in the same situation it doesn't just automatically take them back anymore it's it it's really power mm-hmm. it's just really power nobody can press my buttons if i don't have a button right 
right? right? You're removing the buttons. Oh. So I used to be terrified of men when they when they would yell at me, right? Because mm -hmm. that would be my father or raise their voice to me or use a certain tone. It doesn't have any power. It wouldn't even bother me a bit now. I used to feel a loneliness that was so unbearable. I was lonely in my marriage. I was lonely in my restaurant. I was lonely in a crowded room. I can't even find that feeling anymore. They just don't have any power. Because again, the important thing to remember is we're removing the trauma from the cellular memory. Mm -hmm. It's gone. See, I'm, I'm curious. Now, I've seen this a lot with people where um, they're drawn before they recognize, before they go through some kind of a healing like this, before they understand or they've done the work or they've released it, um, they keep going back subconsciously to people who feed this, yeah. this fear, right? And can you speak to that? Have you seen sure, that? Because it's familiar. Mm -hmm. It's familiar. Even and though it's negative on a subconscious level, you're still drawn to it because it's familiar? Sure, because if my mother... Uh, didn't didn't love me, which is how it felt as a child. If my mother didn't love me, that's all I know love is. So that's the level that I expect to get from somebody else. Mm -hmm. So that feels familiar. So when somebody really, really loves me in this high vibration of, of un I can't trust that. Mm, it can pushes you away because you're not you, you don't recognize it. Absolutely. It's too scary. It's not safe. Mm -hmm. But if it leaves, and also remember, the un, we're talking unconscious brain. So the, Harville Hendricks would say that the unconscious will marry one of our parents because it wants to get the healing that it never got as a child. Wow. But, so that is true. But in my belief, it is that the universe is going to give us the same lesson over and over and over again until we learn it. Because the whole point is to, to evolve as a soul, right? Right. If we're here in earth school... To be happy, joyous, and free, well, we got to learn the lessons first. Yeah. So Okay. Uh, you know what? I, I want to – this this is my job, and this is the part that is not as comfortable, right? But you – we're going to – we've talked about it, and we're going to come back to the healing part and how to fix it. But I, I really want you to, to share, like, what it felt like before you solved it. Like, can you just – um, express a little bit about that feeling that maybe people can connect to um, the fear that you had and, and how it impacted you right before you sure. were able to release it. Sure, I can give you some examples. I mean, again, we're going back a ways when my fear was really bad and, and I didn't find Chardonnay at the time. You know, I, I feel like there were a number of years where Chardonnay was a blessing for me. Mm -hmm. Um because it was able to, I was, it was my coping skill. I yeah. was able to sort of relax, but what it felt like was very dramatic. I never felt safe. I always felt like something was going to go wrong. Like the world was going to be pulled out from underneath me. And there was a reason for that was because in my childhood, something always went wrong. Mm -hmm. Something always was very, very insane. I was terrified as a young mom because I didn't really have that kind of role model so I was so afraid that I would do something wrong with my kids. And, and you know, in the end, I did. I drank. Um, but I remember when my children were little, if a fire truck would go down the post road with its engine, not, with its sirens on, I would follow it to make sure it didn't go to my kid's school. I mean, yeah. I was terrified. I was afraid that I would drop dead and die. 
But it wasn't the death that I was afraid of. It was that I was afraid I would leave my kids and they would know that feeling of abandonment, mm. that pain. And I didn't want them to feel that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I got older and uh, got in my marriage and got in relationships after that. I could never really trust that you could love me. I was always sure that you were going to leave me. Mm. And I always believed that I was never good enough. And I think that's a big one in today's society. You know, we're not skinny enough. We're not pretty enough. We're not successful enough. And I hear not good enough all day long. And right. I completely agree. It's it's rampant in today's society. So if you uh, listeners out there are feeling that, you are not alone. Go ahead, Denise. Yeah, and here's the thing on that. Not feeling good enough or not believing anybody's got my back or the universe has got my back. When we feel not good enough, we're kind of on that gerbil wheel, aren't we? Where I got to go to the gym six days a week. I got to make sure I make the perfect dinner. I've got to make sure the house is perfectly clean. I've got to make sure I made $10 million this year, whether we're male or female, you know, however it goes. And we're on that gerbil wheel. And it's on that gerbil wheel that we can't stop and receive anything. Mm -hmm. Can't bring in. And so we keep running ourselves ragged and ragged and ragged is where when we do this energy work. So if we looked at a vibrational scale, a Hawkins vibrational scale, we look down in the lower vibrations where anxiety and addiction and blame and low self-esteem sit, you know, they have a scientific energy of about 30 to let's say up to 100 of what you can accomplish in that vibration. But if you get a little higher into courage and contentment, well, that's 250 and 350. That's a big difference of what I can pull in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I do this work, I mean, we do research on this. You know, we're not just, I don't believe, I'm, I'm an Eastern medicine healer. Yes, I think I'm a Western medicine healer also. But we're not doing, or at least I'm not doing these days, you know, just, just trust me, this is what happens. I mean, we got research to back it up. We yeah. put brain monitors on people. We put heart monitors on people. We watch things happen. And I have clients whose total lives have transformed in three months. And they will say that. They will say that because trauma work is fast. Again, why? Because we make new synoptic connections in the brain. And uh, is that what happened for you? And you were were you able to, you know, kind of release the addiction and the fears that you had? Oh my God, I was in heaven and I worked <laughs> really hard. I mean, I am that kind of person. I worked really hard. When I got a hit of what needed to be done. I went full force because I wasn't staying sober. I owned a wellness center. Um, I was in AA. I was doing the 12 steps and I was still relapsing. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't figure out why. But what would happen would be I would be, let's use this as an example. I would be in early sobriety. I would get in a relationship with somebody, which you're not supposed to do. He would trigger my father. And then boom, I would have a drink because trauma and fight or flee, right? Mm -hmm. And time-space awareness all sit in the same area of the brain called the amygdala. Um, and so for me, I just threw myself at the mercy of the universe and really fell into this kind of trauma work healing where you're going into mostly crystal dream, um, but really we don't even need the crystals, where you're going into the unconscious Mm -hmm. and releasing trauma. And my life has completely changed. I am happy. I, I haven't had a drink in many years and don't have a desire to, because what happens is I have relationships now that I want to be present for. 
Mm-hmm. Right? I don't want to feel isolated and alone. I don't want to feel scared and by myself. Um, and so it's just been amazing for me. And as I said, I think the most important part is that I don't have those triggers. Yeah, I so, think that's so, so important because we need to be able to be conscious so that we we know what's going on in our world, right? We have to a, a little bit of take back control of it so that it's not it's not leading us. How, how important do you think it is to, to really listen and trust in, in growing from that fear? Can can you rephrase that question? I'm not sure. I understand. Sure, like 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 being able to to look at the fear. Like we all have fears, right? And we're talking about a lot of different types of fears here. But do you think it's important to kind of really look at it and work through it instead of just suppressing it and you know listening God, to it? And God, you can't suppress it. Suppression is depression. Mm-hmm. That's it. Depression is anger that I don't think I have a right to. And that's because I've suppressed all my emotions. And look at every single solitary one of us that suffer from anxiety or addiction or uh, autoimmune or anything like that. It's because we suppressed as children. Mm-hmm. And what happens is when we're kids, uh, the neurological system of the brain, you know, the, the brain is very, very kind. And if there's too much trauma, it'll suppress the traumas that are going on. But when the brain begins to suppress, it kind of can't just suppress just that so it kind of can't pick and choose what it suppresses so it will tend to suppress things in surrounding areas so all our emotions as children will get shut down right ah yes yes and then we don't think we have a right to any and that's where you find people getting older getting into adulthood thinking they don't have any right to have their needs met because they don't have the right to a need Mm-hmm. So, no, it's really important. I think one thing, if I could give a lesson to somebody, I think one thing that's really was was helpful for me was I decided that whenever I was in fear or anxiety, and I still do this about any emotion, envy, jealousy, anything, I always tell one person. You know, I tell my best friend or I tell my sister or I tell my sponsor, whatever it is, because it gets it out. Ah, uh, okay. It out, and then it doesn't have any power, because all of us in our brain, if we start to create, uh, I'm not good enough, or any of those things in our brain, we just get it. We just turn it around, sort of this huge snowball, right? Yeah, it's true. And then you have a little bit also of of accountability, like they can come back and say, "Hey, you know, are are, are you doing okay?" Like they, if they see. Yeah that you're off, right? Yeah. And you can also talk about it, you know, like you can be saying, I have got all this anxiety. I don't really know where it's coming from. And well, what are you feeling? Well, I'm worried about this. Well, do you think it's because of this? And then all of a sudden, somewhere midday, you'll go bingo. Now I know what that's coming from. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And I, and I think what happens is when you start to evolve to a place where you're, you're really cognizant of yourself and, and, and how you feel and, and this awareness of it in your body and your emotional state, you may still experience challenge, right? You're still yeah. going to have hard days. You're still going to fall back a little bit, but it's a much shorter time. Right. You're able to recognize, oh, my shoulders are tensing up. I'm feeling a little weird in my stomach. What's going on here? And oh, it's because of this. And that's my experience is that you just get there a lot faster. If you look, if we talk about that vibrational scale again, what happens is when you do healing work, you go up the vibrational scale. When you do meditation, 
you go up the vibrational scale. When you have a great conversation with your girlfriend or your bo a boyfriend and you're laughing, you go up the vibrational scale. What happens is the more you go up the vibrational scale, the less you can go down and we change what we call your resting vibration. So mm -hmm. maybe instead of living in anxiety and addiction, I started to live in anger, which is a higher vibration, but it was because I was sick of me. Then I kept doing the work. I started to live in courage. Then I started to live in the resting vibration of contentment and happy. Now, that doesn't mean I don't pop down there every now and then, but it's so uncomfortable for me now. I just do the work and get right out of it. That's fantastic. Now, so when you, you know, you, you recognized it, you were able to heal yourself. And then what was the transition that made you decide, okay, this is awesome. Now I want to become a healer and help other people. Like where, where, where did that shift happen for you? Well, I think that was happening when I was owning the wellness center. Um, even though I was still relapsing because, um, there was a point where I started to run a healing clinic a free healing clinic once a week. And I had taken up the Ignite Your Spirit therapy, the IYS therapy, and I was in doing that. And that's when I sort of had decided I was going to become a healer because now, now I'm selling the restaurant because I'm obviously not staying sober owning a bar. Right. And so now this is sort of becoming a livelihood, but I'm running the, re the wellness center by donation, you know? And mm. I think a thing to notice too is why... Why are we always ready to serve? And that's a, such a beautiful thing. Um, uh, when I owned my restaurant for 11 years, 26 years I owned my restaurant, but for 11 years, I went down every Sunday underneath the highway bridge and fed about 100, 150 homeless people. And I did that in blizzards and rainstorms and it never mattered, you know, but why did I do that? And I think I did that because I was destined to, to do this kind of work. I think I knew, I think my heart knew I didn't want anybody else to feel pain. I didn't want anybody else to feel sorrow. And so as the wellness center grew, I, that's when I sort of decided to become a healer. Um, and then once I sold the wellness center, because I just didn't want to own businesses anymore, that's when it really took off for me because that's when it gave me the, the freedom and the opportunity to be able to study trauma, epigenetics, quantum physics. And, and that's when everything changed for me. Wow. What's your favorite part of being a, a healer? Watching everybody change. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. When somebody comes in to me, they suffer from severe anxiety and you know, a month later they come in and they want to talk about, uh, you know, their husband and I'm like, how's the anxiety? And they're like, what? <laughs> they've already moved past that oh, oh completely past it you know i had one client she went to neurologist uh neurologist after neurologist neurologist doctor 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 uh for this pain in her mouth and two months later was she forgot all about it wow. it's gone it's gone because louise okay. hay i'm sure you follow louise hay oh of course louise hay says every physical ailment starts with an emotional core Mm -hmm. Right. I had a friend of mine who passed away, Dr. Mitchell Gaynor. He, he was this extraordinary oncologist in New York. And you used to go into his office and they, he would put the port in uh, and then people would get their chemo. But he'd put headsets on them of chanting. And he's the one that actually sent me to India. And he said to me once, you know, you can open a perfectly healthy person and you'll find cancer. It's mm -hmm. just what activates it. Right. 
Interesting. Wow. That's intense. Right. So we want to have our neurological system as happy as we can be in our brain and everything as happy as we can be and peaceful. And I think it's tricky in this society, don't you? Oh, 100%. You know what? There are so many people. I I tend to run happy. (laughs) And, And people... A, they don't trust it. Why are you happy? Um, right. Sorry if I'm offending you, but this is just where I live. And, and uh, you know, other people, it, it's like, it, you know, they, they don't believe it or they don't trust it or they don't understand it. I think they don't understand it because we've been taught to, um, like, misery loves company. And, you know, it makes people feel better if you gossip together or if you, you know, th- we've been taught that that's what we do to bond. But how about we bond in a different capacity, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also that it's so unfamiliar to people mm-hmm. to, to be able to feel happy and joy and content most of their lives that, like you said, they don't trust it. But I think also they're not used to it and, and they do feel like the world's going to be pulled out from underneath them if they let go. You know, mm-hmm. if, I, if I let go, if I, if I let those boulders down off my shoulder well, then everything's going to fall apart. And I completely get that. I felt that way for a long, long time. Uh, but we actually bring in more more friends, more joy, more abundance when we let go and and allow. Right, and because I, you, you manifest, you draw to you what you focus on, what, you, what you're feeling, that's what you're going to draw to you. So if you stay in that place I, of negativity, that's what you're going to draw to you, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You cannot create success if you don't feel empowered. You cannot create abundance if you live in lack. You can't. If your vibration is always, I'm broke, I'm broke, I'm broke, you will never change. If you start to say things like, I'm budgeting, right? Instead of if somebody asks you to dinner and you say, I can't go, I'm broke. You could just say, I can't right now because I'm budgeting. That's a whole different vibration. It's a totally different energy, you're right, yeah. But if you can't, you just can't be it. It's like asking somebody to do algebra when they haven't even taken general math. It will work. <laughs> yeah, well, I was never really that great. No matter how much general math I did, I still couldn't yeah. quite do the whole algebra thing. Well, but. actually, interestingly enough, sometimes for children of trauma like myself, algebra was great because algebra made sense. Ah, uh, yes. X plus Y equals Z, and that was that. And when you mm. lived in a house that didn't make sense, it was nice to have a couple things that made sense. That, yeah, that makes sense. You yeah. know, I have a question for you. So I do, in addition to my speaking, I do coaching. And sometimes I do it in person. Sometimes I do it on Skype or over the phone. I have different formats and and it works differently for different people. Um, But what about for healing? Like, how does that work? Can you do a healing virtually or no? Oh, gosh, absolutely. I think uh, probably half my clients are around the world. Wow. Um, Skype and phone. Because all I want is, I just want your soul presence. I want your unconscious brain. I don't need your physical body. I don't, I, I don't need any of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because you're, you know, certainly let's say you're going to come in and you're going to Skype me and, and I'll say you've got lower back pain. So in that sense, we want the physical body. But no, absolutely. It works no matter where you are, phone, Skype, in person, doesn't matter a bit. 
Wow, that's pretty cool. Now, I, I know that I, I want to get to an offer that you have, but before I go there, can, what's like some, we're, I told you this is going to go fast, right? We're at yeah. 40 minutes already. So what do you think would be like the one thing that you would really, like if you're speaking directly to one listener out there, right, and you wanted them to walk away with something that they could use right away or that would really impact them, what do you, what do you think that would be? Oh, really, if, if you would just, and I don't know if, uh, if they can pronounce it, I'm going to say it real slow. If you would rub your palms together and put your palms up, as soon as you rub your palms together, you activate the chakras in your palms. As soon as you do that, your heart has to open and send energy into your hands. And as soon as you do that, law of flow, the universe has to send energy into the top of your head to refill your heart. Now that has to happen. That's the way it would happen in Eastern medicine. If we look at it in Western medicine, that's just energy. That's Einstein, right? So as soon as you activate those palms and place them up, you're moving energy. And what I'd like to see everybody do is move energy through our heart because we're always thinking in our brain and we're always stuck in our throat. Everybody thinks throat is about uh, speech and it, it is, but it's about ego. Throat is I'm not safe and I've got to control everything. So if you do nothing else every day, if you rub your palms together and put them up, and if you wanted a really quick mantra that is just extraordinary, Om Nemo Narayani. Om Nemo Narayani. Narayani. And that translates to I surrender to the universe. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And if you do that, if you say that 21 times, rub your palms together and say that 21 times, your meditation practice is over in four minutes. Wow. Right? Anybody can do four minutes, right? I know a lot of people, they're like, oh, I can't meditate. I can't close my, my, my brain down for that long. But you could do it for, for four minutes, right? Just open right? up the heart. Closing your brain down because I'm giving your brain something to do. Yeah. Giving it something beautiful to do. And so since your brain will be busy, the unconscious and the heart, the soul that sits in the center of the chest are able to get more energy in because we get the brain out of the way. Awesome. And you know what? I'd like you to send me, you know, that that broken down what you just said. So I'll put it on um, the the podcast page sure, for you and just people will have additional ways to um to use it, right? If they forget, they they stop, they forget. But how about while at the same time, we'll also put this up on the page. You were telling me that you had some some special for From Fear to Fire listeners. Right. So um, I'm going to do uh, $100 healings mm -hmm. for anybody that um, is interested from this, from this podcast. Um, I can do them by Skype, phone, or in person. I'm in Westport. Sometimes I'm in New York. I'll be in California next week. Um, and, and is that from the page healingswithdenise.com backslash from fear to fire? Yes, please. Okay. I'm going to say that one more time, guys. Healingswithdenise.com backslash from fear to fire. That's a special that is just for the podcast listeners of from fear to fire. Denise, you were amazing. Totally exceeded my expectations. I think that the people listening to this have gotten some tremendous value. I hope they take you up on that offer. It's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me serve. Thank uh, you. 
Awesome. Thanks again. Have a great one. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.